Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. What does it mean to age well in a culture that idolizes youth? This is Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Grace Scott and Hannah Greaser. Hannah, you might be too young to start thinking about getting old, but it's something that I've been thinking about for a couple of years, um, starting when um, I went to CrossFit and every time I did squats, my knees sounded like they like a bowl of Rice Krispies. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. No matter what I do. I mean, and I'm, you know, I turned 43 just two days ago, and which seems really old to me. And, um, so, and I'm noticing certain declines, you know, my metabolism slowing down, wrinkles around my eyes. And, and so I'm starting to think about getting old and it's it's really hard to notice when your body starts to decline mm-hmm. and and so i'm i'm so interested in our guest today and our topic today about how to age well in mm-hmm. a culture of youth and how churches should start to think about the the older populations yeah. i mean we've so focused on the younger populations you know how can we minister to those who are aging right i'm super excited for this too because i you know i have thought about it i'm 23 but my my thoughts can only go so far but i feel like information like this is just good for people to know um early on and something i will say i have begun to notice especially with women just women who are older than me when the, when they have something inside of them, I don't know what it is. There's like this internal glow that radiates outwards and they can be 35, 85. I don't know. But there's like this glow. And that is something I've begun to ask the Lord for. I'm like, I don't care what I look like. I just want what's inside of me to radiate to the outside. And I feel like you have that. So little compliment, but oh, thanks for that. I appreciate <laughs> yes, that. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this as well. Well, we have a guest today, one of my favorite people. Um, we have been, you know, in writing groups together for years and years now. We were um, hermeneutics writers, which was the regular Christianity Today blog years ago. It was um, incredible to, to write for that, wasn't it, Michelle? It was incredible. And it's still incredible to be connected with that kind of cohort of women. We came together probably about um, in 2010 or Mm -hmm. so and um, kind of went through a lot of, you know, a lot of our lives together um, as we explored things that were going on in culture and writing and so it's amazing that I'm still I'm, that we're talking today. It's so cool. It is, and just to introduce you to the audience, um, we have today with us Michelle Van Loon. 
Um, she came to faith to Christ at the tail end of the Jesus movement. Um, she has a Jewish heritage and she has such a spiritual hunger and a storyteller sensibilities that have shaped her faith journey and informed her writing. She's an author of five books, including If Only, Letting Go of Regret, Moments and Days, How Our Holy Celebrations Shape Our Faith, and the forthcoming Born to Wander, Recovering the Value of Our Pilgrim Identity. She's also the author of Becoming Sage. And that is about how churches can minister to older populations. Michelle, welcome to the show. It is so great to be with you guys. And I kind of love that we've got a 23-year-old, a 43-year-old. Happy birthday. Thank you. And And I'm 61. So we're kind of sprinkled, you know, across several different generations, which is amazing and awesome yeah that's yeah really cool. that would be like three different generations mm-hmm. you're generation z i'm generation x which everybody forgets and michelle you're a baby boomer is that right yes just just barely just got in under the wire for better or for worse yeah, <laughs> yeah i know i'm the same way with generation x i was almost a millennial <laughs> i'm the same way with generation z what is it because i thought i was a millennial until i met Haley, and she was like actually your generation z <laughs> anyway yeah, so michelle <laughs> so michelle you wrote a book um you wrote the book becoming sage cultivating meaning purpose and spirituality to address the idea that there is an age restriction on spiritual growth so Uh, We know theoretically that there's no age limit on spiritual growth, but much of the church activities are focused on younger crowds. Um, Why do you think this is the case? There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, as As I did my research, as well as just living my life and observing um, and talking to people from across the country, number one, churches at least uh, probably most of the churches that people are familiar with, you know, in their communities or around, tend to focus on families and bringing in kids and kind of, kind of engaging the whole family through kids' activities, um, vacation Bible schools and Sunday schools and family-friendly activities. And that can make a lot of sense. Um, in one way, but um, it communicates that only people who fit in that particular demographic really bring value to a congregation. So if you're older, if you're sick, if you're single, if you are um, carrying troubles, struggles, disabilities, um, a lot of times you end up on the margins. It's not a, that's not how Jesus did it but it is a lot of times if you were trying to build an organization um you know build a group build a a community a fellowship you end up kind of leaning that way um that's one problem the other problem is that historically um people really didn't live long as as much as you know, or if you look back a hundred years ago, people their lifespans were very short. You know, the average lifespan was about twenty to thirty years shorter than it is today. So there was just by numbers 
not as much of a focus on what was happening as people were aging. And we are in a different place now and different space in our culture. So, you know, I've never thought about it that way. I mean, that's a really incredible perspective about the longevity of people's lives. We, you know, I've been buried in data for years now on the changing, um, the changing tide of American culture and how that affects youth. But the actual part another part of our culture is the fact that the breakthroughs in medicine allow people to live longer which makes more older people in our congregations that are there right and this i mean this goes way back but i was listening to a podcast yesterday that actually said you know jesus when he died at 33 in that culture that is i mean the life expectancy for a jewish man was like mid 30s to 40 so he was mm-hmm. like, he was, he was older, which is interesting to me. Right. And he's, you're not even as old as he was. No. Nope. See, you know what? I started to feel old when I passed Jesus. Really? <laughs> oh, okay. It, I have no idea of it. At 33, I'm like, okay, I'm officially old now. Um, yeah. Now I'm older than Jesus. So, <laughs> the uh, eternal God. I'm older than the eternal I'm older God. than Jesus. <laughs> So, Michelle, I think, you know, it's it's obvious that our culture celebrates youth and beauty. But I am curious, as I know you've explored this question that, you know, does our faith enable a different narrative that includes all ages and all body types? And um, I guess just a more inclusive definition of beauty. It absolutely does. Um, It is a kind of a foundational idea in the Bible is that we are made in the image of God and that that image includes little children and old people and um, people that will never be on the cover of a magazine and people who will never be famous people that may be struggling, people that may be brilliant, people that may just need lots and lots of assistance to get through a day. All of that is what the image of God looks like in our world. Um, so we know this in our heads. We may, we may believe that it's true, but there, everything around us is pushing against that idea. Youth is powerful. Beauty is powerful. Celebrity is powerful. And those things aren't just issues outside the church, you know, us versus them. It's us. It's us that are in the church as well. Um, I've, I've spoken with a number of people who were on their church worship teams, maybe a large, a mid or a large church, and there they were on stage and then they were asked to maybe get off the stage and maybe not play so often because they weren't um young and attractive they they were old and maybe their clothes weren't um in fashion and you know you can think oh well that wouldn't happen at my church it might not but it happens in lots of churches and it happens in lots and lots of different ways And until we're willing to ask some hard questions about 
how we value um, not only who we hand a microphone to, but uh, everyone within our community. Um, we're just going to replicate what our culture keeps telling us is attractive and beautiful and powerful. Right. You know, because everything, you're right, everything does push against it. And, you know, our culture is probably, it may be even unique in a sense that many ancient cultures valued older people more than they valued the younger people. You know, the you think of the tribal chieftains. You think mm-hmm. of the the um, the Asian cultures that that recognize the uh, and honor and respect the elders. And that's and here we honor and respect youth and beauty. So it's sort of mm-hmm. an an inversion in our culture. Absolutely, and we can see that even now. Per- particularly, you named Asian cultures and Asian cultures that. Um, even with a strong Western influence, the uh, kind of the structure of the culture of celebrating um, the wisdom of age and honoring honoring older people is it goes really deep. It goes way deeper than a, a Western movie or a television series or the media that comes into the culture. And so it is not true everywhere, but it sure is true here that um, we are often bereft of models in the church, and um, especially in the church, of people who are older and have um, important voice, not as pets, look at the cute old person, but as (laughs) Well, you know, I, you know, as I've worked with young adults um, over the last few years, one of the things that they have said is that they long for older adults to minister to them. They really want that. I mean, there's, you know, there's a desire for young adults to connect with older generations that have gone before them that may have more information and more insight on how they can live their lives, how they can find meaning and purpose and um, some of the most successful uh, churches whenever they they innovate and they try to to bring young adults to church is when they have hosted these forums where they will uh, take a topic that's important to young adults maybe grief or sexuality or even you know aging and they bring in older people um, to speak into that and to talk about their testimony and talk about how God was faithful to them through all of the different difficulties and young adults really cling to that. They love that. And to put aside older people, to shut them away as we do, as the American culture does to shut them away in church is really robbing um, church of the richness. it, It could have if we, if we could emphasize the whole body of Christ. Absolutely. And I found the same thing. I was on staff at a Christian college in the Midwest for several years. And one of the big surprises was when I continued to have a stream of students who just crossed my path. You know, we'd work alongside one another on a project or whatever, but I was there doing my job, but saying as we hung out, would you mentor me? Would you be willing to meet with me? Would you 
be willing to kind of walk alongside me during this semester or during the school year. Um, I, I need somebody outside of my life, outside of my friends, outside of my classroom experience to talk to me about their lives, not what I should be doing, but tell me how your life worked out. Tell me where it went south. Tell me where it went wrong. And um, once I knew that they were looking for that kind of friendship rather than me coming in as spiritual authority and um, maven of all wisdom, um, that mutuality in those relationships changed my life. And and I know um, just because I'm still in touch with some of these um, young women that it was it meant something it meant something different and it was something that my generation is baby boomers we were all about you know just our peers and what our peers had to say to us and so um, that that chain of being able to access the wisdom and experience of older generations was was broken um, definitely in my lifetime. And so I'm heartened by the fact that you're saying the same thing that I've also witnessed. If we're willing to be honest, um, not as masters, but as, um, as co-learners, you know, amazing things happen. You know, one of the questions that I have is, you know, it sounds like whenever young adults approached you, you were prepared to, to mentor them mm-hmm. and to come alongside them. But, you know, it is there a chance or it, have you found it to be the case that some of the older populations may not be prepared for that mentorship opportunity, maybe because they haven't been in, invested in and trained to be a mentor? Maybe they're because, you know, I myself have asked um, older women, you know, can you be my mentor? And they feel completely unprepared to do so. They've actually said that I am not prepared or equipped to, to, to mentor you. And I don't know if it's because of my education or because I work at a seminary or because I'm a, or whatever it is, but there seems to be a hesitancy, um, among younger or older adults to mentor. Have you found that to be the case or is this just an isolated incident? No, it's not isolated. I think that that the, the language of mentoring can sometimes be very off-putting because of that idea that you obviously, you older person, you're the power, you're in power, you have the power position in the relationship. So therefore, you should have a bunch of answers and a body of knowledge. But I learned from from the young women who came to me during my time at the school, that wasn't what they were looking for. They could get information from a book or from a professor. What they couldn't get was somebody who would intentionally befriend them across the generation. So I think sometimes Pulling the word mentor out of it um, can level um, the relationship so there is more mutuality and, um, you know, I just need friends that aren't like me and I need to hear about how your life has gone and and you need to be willing to ask me how my life has gone. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of friendship is very rich and um 
it kind of diffuses or defangs the idea of mentoring, which is uh, a, a teacher-student kind of relationship. Yeah, it makes me think of that whole, like, young grasshopper mentality or just like (laughs) somebody's on a different on a different level but I love it's like not mentorship it's mutuality I really like Mm -hmm. that I do too um and I I do have a question that kind of goes back to the conversation about our cultural value of youth um Mm -hmm. and this question isn't meant to you know, evoke any kind of judgment to anybody. It's just a a curiosity about like, how do we think critically about things like Botox or dyeing your hair or these things? Like, does it reinforce something culturally that as Christians we should, I don't know, try to get in line with a different narrative? Like, like how do we think critically about those things? It does. Actually, I I have uh, a chapter in the book about midlife, spiritual formation about our physical appearance because um, in Christian circles, some of those famous people that are up on platforms holding microphones and and teaching big crowds, well, up until COVID anyway, um, some of them have been pretty out, out there and upfront about the fact that they've had some work done. Um, a lot of people in my age group have, um, you know, their hair dyed or whatever. I was dyeing my hair up until last spring when I was locked down and wasn't able to go to the salon. And my husband kept saying, you know, just let it grow and see what happens. I don't, I've been dying it since I was 40, and it's kind of a shock. Um, I'm so shocked when I look in the mirror. Like, who, who is that person? Who is she? My mom, uh, till the day she died, she had jet black hair. You never would have known underneath. Oh, it. my gosh. She that's was, incredible. Well, no, no. It was jet black from Fox. Oh, <laughs> I got it. Yep. Okay. See, yeah, that sounds like my know, 88-year-old so, nanny. My, my motto was, I had no idea what an older person in my family would look like without their hair dyed. My grandmother had flaming red hair um, up until the day she died. So I feel like I'm kind of bucking the trend, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it. We all do things. I think it's, it's, it's being able to navigate what is cultural pressure and what is, um, you know, kind of respecting the life stage that you're in. And it's easier said than done. I will say that even now every morning as I look and I'm, I see all this gray hair that's come in. Um, and it's, it's, it's a thing. It's a hard thing. It but is a hard thing. I'm getting, I'm getting used to it. But it may be that in the time when we go back to being able to travel and maybe I do some speaking, um, I I might not be getting as many invitations because I look older. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I love the idea of respecting the age that you're in. And I totally agree that that it is a thing that you have to think about over and over again, because when I was 
30, when I thought about Botox or plastic surgery, I was like, of course, I'll never do that. And now as I get older, I'm like, oh, I get why people do this now because my, my face is falling. And right. <laughs> and I've got some gray hairs on the top of my head. Um, fortunately, my hair is jet black, so you can't tell yet mm-hmm. too much. But um, so it just looks like a shine. But um, what would you say? You know, we've just got a few minutes left, but I'd love to hear you uh, just touch on what are some of the most important spiritual questions that people start to ask as they age. Mm-hmm. I think that I've been hearing from people that it's coming to terms with the fact that you we don't get to throw any part of our life in reverse. There is no going back. And so clutching on to the past is, is one way of trying to avoid it. We see that certainly in models of what midlife crisis can look like in our culture. You know, the old dude who's driving around in a sports car with a with a second wife or third wife that's much younger than him. That's it's a picture, but we do it in lots and lots of different ways. And instead of being able to confront the grief that comes with losing so that there's space for what God is doing right where we are, um, that process, the transitions that happen in our lives, transition is just another word for grief. I had a counselor say to me, and that that was very helpful for me to be able to hear that the changes that come are hard, and they, they require our attention. They invite God's presence if we're willing to go there with him. And that can be true whether you're 23 or 43, but as, as you learn how to do the work of grieving the changes that come, that's the spot, that's the sweet spot where wisdom does begin to grow. Not yeah. because you've done it right, but because you've done it honestly. Hmm. Not because you've ra- done it Right, but because you've done it honestly. Uh, Thank you, Mm -hmm. Michelle, so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Christian Curious. If you've missed any part of our show, be sure to visit our website to download this episode at christiancurious.co. That's www.christiancurious.co. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.